Hey, good morning, everybody. I hope everybody has had a fantastic uh, morning so far. I feel like this is exactly how I start class every Sunday, where I start talking and you guys keep talking and it gets awkward, but that's okay. Um, Hey, I hope I'm not the first to say this, but welcome to church this morning. Uh, Whether you're here, whether you're online or watching this later, um, thanks for uh, being with this family of God this morning. My My name is Evan. I think. My name is Evan. I'm one of the ministers here. Um, and we are several weeks deep into our study on the book of Psalms. And today is going to be no exception. But as we get going this morning, I wanted to let you guys know about a group text that I am in. And I promise it'll all make sense probably. Um, a group text that I'm in with, with three of my very, very best friends. Um, all three of those guys do go to church here. Um, all three of those guys are probably really nervous about what I'm about to say next. Um, but in, in this group text, we have uh, really three main topics of conversation. We talk about movies from the 1980s. We talk about wrestling from the 1990s. And we talk about the fact that it is completely indisputable that Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. Like that's, that's really, that's what we talk about. Um, that is like the most reaction I've ever gotten in church. Um, I'm not sure what that says. I'm just kidding. Uh, but it's true, right? Uh, we all know, if you don't know a lot about those first two things, movies in the eighties, wrestling in the nineties, you're probably not missing a ton. But I think it's safe to say everyone in here probably has at least heard the name Michael Jordan. And if you've heard of Michael Jordan, you probably know that he played basketball and he was really, really good at it. If you look at his accolades, uh, first year in the league, he was rookie of the year. Uh, he was an all-star 14 times. He has six championship rings. Each of those rings came with a championship MVP. Uh, he's a five-time NBA MVP um, I can keep going on and on and on. But the reason that Michael Jordan was so good at what he did was this right here. He was so good at making things personal. If if you don't know the story behind this picture um, or if you didn't follow his career at all, the thing that motivated Jordan to be the best was really everything else that happened around him. He had such an unbelievable ability to take something external and to internalize it, right? If someone else won the MVP, it would motivate him to destroy that team next year in the NBA season. If an opposing coach doesn't say hi to him at dinner, he made it his mission to dismantle them in the upcoming series. And in fact, there were times where he would make up trash talk just so he could motivate himself to make it personal. Now, what in the world does this have to do with the book of Psalms? Um, absolutely nothing. I just wanted to talk about Michael Jordan this morning. I hope that you guys have a great day. Just kidding. Um, so we're going to be in Psalm 59 this morning. Um, and Psalm 59 was written by David. And admittedly, there are probably not a lot of similarities between David and Michael Jordan, except They were both great at what they did. And that greatness came from the ability to make it personal, right? When we make something personal, doesn't it like stir up this desire in us to to be better, to, to do things better, to really reach our full potential? 
And just like most people agree that Jordan was the GOAT, the greatest of all time when it comes to basketball, David has a pretty solid case of being the GOAT when it comes to prayer. Right? And just, you know, quick show of hands. Um, how many of you guys have a prayer journal? Anybody? All three of you? Cool. How many of you have ever said a prayer before? Great. Okay, that's good. Um, how many of your prayers have ever been turned into songs that were then sang by millions of people over thousands of years? Nobody? Really? Wow. Because uh, David's has. Um, have any of your personal prayers ever been quoted by Jesus? No? Okay, so David's prayers were quoted by Jesus. I say all that to say, David was really, really good at what he did. And so what I want us to do this morning, I want us to look at Psalm 59, and I want us to use it as a blueprint. Uh, I want us to try to, to see what David did and how he made things personal in the way that he prayed and, and try to model our prayers after that. So Psalm 59, starting in verse one, David says, Rescue me from my enemies, O God. Protect me from those who have come to destroy me. Rescue me from these criminals. Save me from these murderers. They have set an ambush for me. Fierce enemies are out there waiting, Lord, though I have not sinned or offended them. I've done nothing wrong, yet they prepare to attack me. Wake up. See what is happening and help me. O Lord, God of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, wake up and punish those hostile nations. Show no mercy to wicked traitors. They come out at night snarling like vicious dogs and they prowl the streets. Listen to the filth that comes out from their mouths, their words cut like swords. After all, who can hear us? They sneer. But Lord, you laugh at them. You scoff at all the hostile nations. You're my strength. I wait for you to rescue me. Uh, for you, O oh God, are my fortress. In his unfailing love, my God will stand with me. He will let me look down and triumph on all my enemies. Don't kill them, for my people soon forget such lessons. Stagger them with your power and bring them to their knees, O oh Lord, our shield. And skipping down to verse 16, he says, But as for me, I will sing about your power. Each morning I will sing with joy about your unfailing love, for you have been my refuge, a place of safety when I am in distress. Oh, my strength. To you I sing praises, for you, O oh God, are my refuge, the God who shows me unfailing love. It's a pretty good prayer, right? And the thing that jumps out to me uh, most of all before anything else is David's ability in this prayer to make it personal with what he says to God. He makes it personal with what he says to God. Now, Psalm 59 is somewhat unique in that this psalm was a prayer, but it was a prayer about a very, very specific event that happened in David's life. Now, most scholars believe uh, that this prayer was based on something that happened to him over in 1 Samuel chapter 19. And scholars believe this really for two main reasons. Number one, it's in the title of the psalm. And so it's actually not really hard to figure out where it came from. Uh, but number two, if you read this story and then you read David's prayer side by side, it's so easy to see how much of his experience is in his prayer. And he's literally just, he's telling God 
what happened. So 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 11 says this. It says, Then Saul sent troops to watch David's house. They were told to kill David when he came out the next morning. But Michael, David's wife, warned him, If you don't escape tonight, you will be dead by morning. So she helped him climb out through a window and he fled and escaped. Then she took an idol and put it in his bed, covered it with blankets and put a cushion of goat's hair at its head. When the troops came to arrest David, she told them he was sick and couldn't get out of bed. But Saul sent the troops back to get David. He ordered, "Bring uh, bring him to me in bed so I can kill him. But when they came to carry David out, they discovered that it was only an idol in the bed with a cushion of goat's hair at its head. Now, there's a lot we could unpack with this story. Like, why does David have a life-size idol in his house? I have no idea. Um, We'll let Josh handle that when he gets back. Um, But what I hope you see is, man, David's prayer in Psalm 59, he's literally just recounting what happened. He's telling God about his day. And that's probably a huge oversimplification. But, right, David starts off with his prayer. He says, hey, these fierce men are conspiring against me. Well, what happens? Well, you have Saul in 1 Samuel 19, who is the king, who is also the father of his best friend and actually David's father-in-law, who is trying to assassinate him technically for the second time just in this chapter. You know, David tells God, God, they set an ambush before me, right? What does Saul tell his troops? He says, I want you to go and wait until morning. Wait until he comes out of his house where he is least suspecting something. I mean, that is like the definition of an ambush. And then David said, they come at night snarling like vicious dogs, right? If I'm Saul, the men that I send to, to do my dirty work are probably going to be some pretty unsavory characters. Um, and so you can just imagine David sitting there at night listening to these guys, knowing that they're outside. So again, David simply is just telling God about his day. He's telling God what happened, He's telling God how he feels about it. And he's telling God what in the world he wants him to do about it. Now, why, why is this important? Prayer is a conversation. And David realizes that surface level conversations only require surface level, I'm sorry, surface level relationships rather, only require surface level conversations, right? But, but deeper, more intimate relationships Well, they require and are oftentimes even built on deeper, more intimate conversations. Uh, Think about it this way. Think when someone simply asks you, hey, how was your day? Well, depending on who asks the question is going to totally determine what you tell them, right? Is uh, Is it a buddy from work? Is it someone that you see at church? Is it your best friend? Is it your spouse? If someone you have a deep relationship asks you how your day was, you're going to give a much deeper answer. So if we're trying to model our prayers like that of David, and and we want to kind of gauge how we're doing, think about your prayer as simply an answer to if God asked you, hey, how was your day? And see what that looks like. So, so this morning I wake up, um, I, I try to pray before I get out of bed every morning because I know if I don't, um, I will get busy. And so I woke up this morning and I thought to myself, okay, God, you know, if you just asked me how my day was, I would say, well, I just woke up, so I'm not totally sure. Um, but, uh, but hey, I, I didn't sleep great last night, God. I was a little nervous about preaching this morning, so give me peace. 
God, it, it was a really good weekend. We got to spend some good time with friends and family. So, so thank you for that. And that's simply what David does. He talks about what happens in his day. He talks about how he feels about it. And, and he tells God, hey, here's what I'm asking you to do about it. Uh, before we jump on to, to point number two, there's something that David does that I think is super important that I want to point out. I think sometimes, at least for me, and you may be in the same boat, sometimes the reason I don't talk to God about what's happening in my life is because what's happening in my life kind of stinks. And I have, a lot of, I have lots of thoughts and feelings about that. And not just about what's happening, but I have lots of thoughts and feelings and even frustration toward God about that, right? If we're just being honest, I think we've all been there. And so we don't always talk to God about those things because we don't want to feel like a hypocrite. We don't want to go into a prayer and say, God, I, I trust you. I really do trust you to help me with these things. But God, I'm also kind of frustrated that you haven't quite helped me with these things. Let me just say that that's not being hypocritical. That's just being human. And David does this very thing, even in this prayer, right? He, he starts his prayer off and says, God, rescue me. You're awesome. You're amazing. And then he gets to verse four um, and he says, you know, God, I've done nothing wrong, yet they prepare to attack me. And this is, remember, he's talking to God. He says, God, wake up. See what's happening and help me. Lord, God of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, wake up and punish these hostile nations. Family, God is definitely big enough and strong enough to handle our complex emotions. He, he is big enough and strong enough to handle when we come to him and we're trying to live in that tension between trust and impatience. He, he's big enough to handle our prayers when we tell him about our day, when we're trying to live in the tension between hope and frustration. So please, if this is hitting you in some way and you're out there and the reason that you're not talking to God about what's going on in your life simply because of those feelings that are associated with what's happening in your life, don't let that be the reason that you don't talk to God about it because he is definitely big enough to handle it. Number two, um, as any good parent knows, it's not just what you say, but it's how you say it, right? I think I've said that 15 times this morning to my children. Um, isn't it true that sometimes we can have the right words, but they're not necessarily our own words? Uh, you know, I was, uh, so we were driving in the car the other day and Aniston, who is our middle child, she picks up a sheet of paper and it has Psalm 23 on it. And so she starts to read it and we realize that it is Psalm 23 in the King James Version of the Bible, right? So it's that old English. Um, and listen, if you've never heard your 10 year old try to work out the sentence and thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, you haven't lived because it was hilarious. Um, you know, and uh, like most things in our minivan, I have no idea how that sheet of paper got there, but it, it was there and she was reading it. Um, and so we all had a good laugh. But as I was thinking about it later, I was like, it was so weird to hear her use those words because as a father, those are not the words that she would typically use when she was talking to me. 
So, so let's follow that train of thought for just a second. What do we know about David, the guy who prayed this prayer? Well, we know that from the time he was a shepherd all the way through his kingship, David was a warrior. And so it, it makes sense that if he was going to pray to God in his own words, if he was going to make it personal how he prayed to God, that he would use words that any warrior would understand. And that's exactly what he does, right? He says, look, he said, God, I have these enemies. He said, God, they're setting an ambush before me, right? He's using these tactical terms. He says, Lord, our shield, right? Shield is one of the most important pieces of equipment for any soldier. He says, God of heaven's armies, he says, my fortress. He understands the tactical advantage of, of being in a strong fortress. The reason that David uses these words in his prayer to God is because it was his prayer to God, right? It, 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 it was nobody else's. He wanted God to hear the words that were coming from his own lips, his own heart, and I think for me, and you guys are probably there too, sometimes the reason I don't use my own words when I pray is because I don't quite think that they're good enough for God's ears. So I feel like I may have to like polish them up. I feel like sometimes I have to borrow other people's words when I pray. And let me just say that, guys, that is just not true. And it's not true for two reasons. Uh, number one, uh, in the book of Romans, over in chapter 8, Paul gives us this incredible promise. And he tells us that when we don't know how to say what we want to say in our prayers, that the Holy Spirit will perfectly interpret those prayers for us to God. The Holy Spirit will take this crazy, mangled mess of words and thoughts and emotions and perfectly translate them to God. But, but the second reason why it's not true that our words, our own words, aren't good enough is because God did not send his son to die for the polished, well-spoken Sunday morning church version of us, right? And so it stands to reason that God doesn't want to hear from the polished, well-spoken Sunday morning church version from us. He just wants to hear from us in our own words, like we're talking to a friend, like we're talking to someone who loves us, like we're talking to someone who we trust. And I'm kind of envious of David for, for figuring that out probably a lot earlier in his life than I have. And he knows that if he can make it personal in how he talks or in how he prays, then it's going to become more and more, more personal in who he prays to. And, and that's the last point for today. The last thing that David does so well is he makes it personal in who he prays to. Look at his language again. Um, just in verse 9 and, and 17 alone, he says, God, you are, what does this say? My strength, right? He says, God, you are my fortress. Let's try this again in verse 17. Let's say these all together. God, you are my strength. God, you are right? I mean, it, it's no secret who God is praying to. It's his God. And, and then in verse eight, and I absolutely love this. 
He says, but Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Anytime that you see the word Lord in your Bible and it's in all caps, this is not just the generic name for God. This is Yahweh or or, or better for us. This is God's personal name. Just like my name is Evan and, and your name is Paula and your name is Betty. Like this is God's personal name. When David prays to God, he's on a first name basis. He's not just praying to the God of Israel. He's not just praying to the God of his family. He is praying to his God, which I think is so incredible. Because isn't it true that who we're praying to is gonna completely determine what we're praying for? Like imagine how different and imagine how different my prayers would be if I focused on not just praying to to the God of this country or, or, or the God that we try to follow in our family, but if I prayed to my God, my very own God, I think it would be just transformative in the things that I would feel comfortable praying. And listen, if, if you're not quite there yet, that's okay. When you pray, if you don't feel like you are, are praying to this personal God, start where David did. Start with making it personal. It's simply in what you pray. Tell him about your day. Tell him how you feel about it. Tell him all the, the details, the, the things that you want him to do, the outcomes you want to see. Because the more we do that, the more we're going to be able to make it personal, not just in what we say, but in how we say it. We're going to feel like we're talking more to a friend and less to some distant God in the sky. And the more we can make it personal in how we pray, eventually, over time, it'll feel more and more personal in who we're praying to. Now, I had absolutely no doubt that David knew exactly who he was praying to. But what's so cool about this, and and we know the end of the story that David didn't know. David knew who, who he was praying to, but he had no clue the length with which God would go to to answer those prayers. Right? David said, God, rescue me from my enemies. And God says, okay, I I, I will, but I'm going to rescue you from so much more from that. I'm going to rescue you from sin itself. David said, God, be my fortress, right? Raise me up out of the reach of things that can harm me. And God says, absolutely, David, I I will do that, but but I'll do you one better. I'm going to raise you up out of the reaches of, of even death. And David says, Lord, Yahweh, my God. And God said, David, I I love that you use my personal name when you pray to me. But one day, the world is going to know me by a different name. And that name is Jesus. And through him, I will be able to answer all the prayers that you didn't even know you needed to pray. And what a blessing that we serve a God who is so faithful 
that he will answer the prayers that we didn't even know we need to pray. Would you guys pray with me? God, we love you so much. And I pray that we can take what we see in the life of David and and apply it to our lives. Father, help us to to make it personal in the words that we say to you. Help us to to not hold anything back. I mean, you know it anyway, God. So help us to not hold anything back when we pray. God, I I pray that you would help us to, to make it personal in how we pray to you. Let us use our own words, Father, to speak to you because you you don't want to talk to anybody else. God, you want to talk to us. And God, help us to make it more and more personal when we pray to you, God, to feel you closer than you ever have been before. God, above all, we are thankful that you are a God that answers prayers, whether we know to pray them or not. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.